Good morning and welcome to our, our service this morning. Uh, time of worship, time to hear God's word. I pray that your hearts are open to receive whatever the Lord has to, to give you this morning. Okay, um, I'd like you to open up our Bibles to uh, Colossians chapter 1. Uh, it's in the New Testament. Please uh, join me again as we just like to pray once more as we read God's word. So join me as we, as we pray uh, this morning. Father, for this morning I pray as we continue to listen to your word and to listen and to dwell in your presence, I pray this morning that you may fill your people with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and in all spiritual understanding. I pray this morning, Father, as they hear your voice, that they may learn to walk worthy of the Lord. That they may be people who are fully pleasing you and fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And so, Father, we pray these things, that you may continue to work and have your will in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's a real honor to uh, come before God's Word and to actually listen to the Word of God and to receive what the Lord has to give us all this morning, even including myself. I was thinking this morning, Lord, what do you have to say to everyone this morning, including myself? I specifically remember thinking to myself, Lord, what do you have to say to me this morning as well? And it's a really kind of bizarre, odd, unusual experience people might have when they're preaching God's Word, because it's something that you, um, it's, not, it's not uncommon to have the Lord speak uh, to you as you're speaking to, to people. Um, and so in Colossians chapter 1, I want to read verses 9 and 10. I want to read um, what Paul, or starting from, starting from verse 9, sorry, what Paul is saying to those uh, in the church and what his heart is for them. And I want to share a little bit about that uh, this morning as well. He says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And it's a beautiful uh, request that I imagine the Apostle Paul is praying the same things for God's people. I imagine this, is, this would be his prayer uh, for them, that they would continue to walk worthy, that they would be fully pleasing to the Lord, that they'd be fruitful in every good work, that they would increase in the knowledge of God. And he's praying these things because he has this heart for them, because he wants to see a faith in the, in the people of God that is real, that is genuine, and it's doing what it's meant to be doing. He wants a faith. He doesn't want to invest into a people that only to find that their faith wasn't real, <clears throat> that their faith wasn't real. He doesn't want to see this. He wants to see a faith that's going to be building and growing and becoming everything God wants from them. Because what else would you want for being a Christian? Like what else would you desire when you know the Lord? Who wants to be, able, who wants to be investing so much into something only to realize at the end of the day it's not real? It would be like a waste of time. You mean doing all this for what? For nothing? It can't be right. 
I remember a long time ago there was a movie that was made. Some of you would be familiar with this movie. Um, it was called The Truman Show. <clears throat> and The Truman Show was a really interesting movie because everything in this man's life was fabricated and it became like a, it became like a show for the world to watch. Everything from his birth to the relationship that he had to his marriage to his work, everything was designed in this, in this massive bubble. It was all kind of made up and he lived a fake life even though he didn't know it himself. He lived like it was a real life but everyone on that set acted a part in his life and the whole world was watching his life and everything he was doing. He was the only one who didn't know. His wife knew it was an act. His friend knew it was an act. The people at work knew it was an act. The people on the street, they would walk certain times. It was all acted. And the world was watching how he responded to this stage. If you like, it was probably the purest form of reality TV. Until one day he began to realize something's not right. Something, he was suspicious about something. Until at the end, spoiler alert, to the end he realized that this was not real. This is not real. Imagine how he would have felt. Imagine the reality, the, the experience of, of living life a certain way, only to realize at the end, it's not real. This isn't what I thought it would to be. This isn't what my experience intended to, the outcome of my experience to be. And yet, there are millions and millions and millions of people who live life like it's a stage, hoping that one day they're going to get something, achieve something, become something, only to realize it comes to nothing. And in the Christian life, the Christian God has called us to something very, very different to this. He hasn't called us to something to give up your life only to realize one day it's not real. He's called us to the most real thing anyone could ever experience. It is a relationship with God that is now and for eternity. And when you get to heaven, it'll all be revealed one day that everything you experienced and everything you lived was very, very real. And if you don't know the Lord, that very, very real experience is going to be very, very uh, scary because you're going to face him not as saviour, but you will experience the judge before you and realise, boy, everything I heard was very real. So it's very, very encouraging for us as Christians to realise that when God speaks his word to us, he's not speaking to something that one day, you know, maybe will happen or maybe we'll, it will realise one day it's true, but we know it to be very true and very real. And so what the Lord Jesus Christ preached and what he taught and what he lived, he came to a people and he wanted them all to come unto him and to be part of his kingdom because this was the only thing that was going to last. Nothing fabricated about the kingdom. Nothing staged about the kingdom. Very real, your relationship with God and for eternity. If you drift, however, and if you decide to pursue something else, your pursuit, the Bible says, will lead to death. So come, come and join the kingdom of God. Come and be part of a kingdom that's not uh, a fake or, or wishful thinking, but a kingdom that is living and righteous and exper experiences the goodness and the love of God. One of the most, I think, um, um, confusing definitions today is the definition of what is a Christian. Don't you think? It's quite fascinating. If I ask you this morning, what's a Christian? You get all these different answers, what a Christian is. 
And I think if you really begin to uh, unpack what a Christian is and what a Christian is to experience, you start to realize, boy, there's a lot of things that people misunderstand. There's a lot of concepts that people misunderstand, yet the Scripture is very clear of what a Christian should be and what their experience should be in life. In fact, the Apostle Paul is saying it here in Colossians. He's asking them to experience something because this is what he asks the Christian to be. He says, I want you to walk in a way that is worthy before the Lord and fully pleasing to Him. There isn't any kind of gray area of what we should be. He wants to be very direct with them and he wants them to be very clear about what the Lord is asking from them. There was a saying that I heard many, many years ago. It said something like this. If you were, uh, I, I can't remember the exact phrase, but if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prove it? In other words, you know, really show me how you are a Christian. Yeah, it's all very well and good to say I am. It's all very well and good to attend a church. It's all very well and good to know our Bible. It's all very well and good to even quote Scripture. But what is a Christian? And so there's got to be this life that the Bible talks about here that, is, uh, that, is, that has evidence based on God's Word that shows that what we are is how we live. What our experience is, is real. And so I meet people and they say to me they're a Christian and it's very encouraging. It's very encouraging to listen to someone who says, you know what, I was like this and now God's made me like this or now I've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and this is how my life has become. And it's encouraging to listen to the testimonies of people who are Christian. It's beautiful, it's encouraging. But look, it might sound strange, but I also get very encouraged when people come up to me and say, you know what, I don't know if I'm a Christian. Or I get, I get encouraged when people come up to me and say, I'm not a Christian. And I get encouraged by those two things as well because I see in these people a genuineness and sincerity that says, you know what, I don't want to fool myself. I don't want to kid myself. I don't want to go through my life like the Truman Show, thinking, hoping maybe that what I have is real, only one day to touch and realize it's not. And when someone comes up to me and says, you know, I hear what you preach, I hear what you teach, and I don't know if I'm a Christian, I think, wow, that's amazing. I get encouraged. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about that. Because what I see in you is this sincerity that says, I want to get it right. I want to make sure that what I'm living my life and what I'm investing my time into and how I'm living my life is the real thing. Because there's nothing worse. I don't know if there can be anything worse than someone who gives their life to something only to think that what they've got doesn't become what they thought it was. How sad for them. And Jesus speaks about this as well too. He speaks about a people who come close to him with their mouth, but their heart is far. He speaks about a people who have a form of godliness. They kind of look the part, but they deny the power. <clears throat> they, they, they deny what it actually means to live the faith. And God's concerned about this. So he doesn't want a people that are trapped in this mindset that they are okay, only to find that one day they're not. And so God's word goes to you this morning and says, hey, make sure it's the real thing. If you're sitting this morning listening to this word, please don't listen to me. Just listen to God that says, please make sure it's the real thing that you've got. And so the Apostle Paul, if you want to kind of word it in a different way, he's saying the same thing. He says, you know what, make sure it's the real thing. Walk worthy of the Lord. Walk fully pleasing to Him. Be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. 
And we know when the Bible talks about increasing in the knowledge of God, it's not a knowledge that stays in the head. When the Bible talks about growing in the knowledge of God, it's a knowledge that says, you know what, I understand God more so I can live God more. It's a knowledge that applies to everyday life. It's not the theologian that picks up his books and reads them and thinks, whoa, I know so much about God that I can outquote you. That's not what God, that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about increasing in the knowledge of God. So when I look at your life, I see more and more what God looks like because you know more and more who God is. Do you understand? That's the knowledge of God. <clears throat> How do I see that? The way we relate to each other. How do I see that? the way you relate to me. How do I see that? The way you go and live life. The way you do life. The way you do marriage. The way you do friendships. The way you do work. I see that in all those things because I see the love and the life of God living through you. This is where things of the Lord begin to work. You know, it's very, very... Uh, very, very sad to watch a person thinking they might have the real thing or not investing into the real thing and what consequences come because of that. Not only it's sad to watch them still trapped in their own sin and their own lifestyle that they think is okay, but in fact it's not, but it's very sad to watch the consequences that occur around them and the problems that occur around them because they themselves are not holding on to what is real. They are thinking it is real, but their heart is still hard. It's very difficult to reason with a person with a hard heart. Have you tried that before? Have you ever tried reasoning with someone who has a hard heart? Have you ever tried reasoning with someone who still wants their own way? Reasoning with someone who thinks, no, it's got to be this way? Reasoning with someone that says, no, I don't care what you have to say, but I want it the way I think it should be? It's very difficult to reason with anyone with a hard heart. Not only is it damaging for them, but it's damaging for those around them. Brothers and sisters, you need to soften your hearts. And if you think to yourself, you know, I can't soften my heart, then you need to cry out to God and say, God, you need to help me soften this heart of mine. Because what I want is the real thing. What I want is a life that isn't invested into something that one day I will find it not to be true. <laughs> Even if I know all the doctrines, what is my life like every day? Is it fully pleasing to him? Is it worthy of him? Is it bearing fruit in every good work? That everything I put my hand to to serve the Lord, I'm bearing the fruit of Jesus Christ. Whether it's the service of the Lord at work, whether it's the service of the Lord in my home, whether it's the service of the Lord abroad, I'm doing it, and when I'm doing it, I'm bearing the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm confident that I'm in the will of God. It reminds me something of the image of Christ that we often talk about, <clears throat> talk about in the scriptures. It reminds me of many scriptures that I read about in the Bible, because what we're seeing is a, a life that continues to grow, that continues to grow into the image of Jesus. And if we don't know this ends, then we don't know where we're going toward. The Bible says in Romans eight twenty nine. That whoever he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. 
Think about that verse. That gives us Christians the end in sight. That whoever he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus. In other words, everyone who's put their hand to the plow sees ahead of them what I'm becoming can be nothing else and I have no other option. It's instructed and given to me that I would be conformed into the image of Jesus. Every other path is not the will of God. The image at, at the end of the day is to become like the sun, not in heaven, but on earth. This is the wonderful gift of God. If a Christian is not growing, then what is a Christian doing? If a Christian is not becoming like this, then what is a Christian becoming like? And if we can't confidently say that our lives are becoming like this, then we need to seek the Lord and say, Lord, what is happening? Because I want to know that what I'm investing into is the real thing. It's like the life of Jesus. Everything about the life of Jesus, even humanly, the life of Jesus demonstrated to us how we are meant to grow. In fact, there's something in Luke that tells us quite powerfully how we even parent our children through the life of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus grew in four ways. He grew in stature. He grew in wisdom. He grew in favor with God. And he grew in favor with man. And you look at those four things, they're almost like a four-part series on what parenting is. He grew in stature, so he grew physically. He, he, was, he was raised well physically. He continued to grow, if you like, from a physical perspective. He grew in wisdom. In other words, he was taught the things that should be taught. So he became wise in what he did. So not only was he fed and raised, but he was taught very well too. He grew in favor with man. Socially, he learned how to adapt. He learned how to do things well with people. And then he grew in favor with God because his relationship with the Savior, God himself, the Father, was of most, of most importance. But what we, saw, what we see in him and what we saw in him is one who grew, one who became, one who actually more and more was uh, becoming what the Father wanted him to become, just like you just like me. Everything that God has called us to, God has called us that we would continue to live a life that is fully pleasing to him, walking worthy of the way he wants us to walk. So, the Bible says this. I'll read it to you, Second Peter. But grow in grace and knowledge, sorry, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Continue to grow, Second Peter. Continue to grow in grace and in knowledge. And I've asked you this morning, beloved, because what you have is real. You have the same confidence that you are continuing to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean? What does it mean that you are growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ? What does it mean that you are becoming more and more like the Savior in every area of your life so that you are not holding back, but rather you are giving to everything He's trying to do in our lives? You see, you cannot, you cannot know Christ without becoming like Christ. You cannot claim to have a faith in Christ without becoming more and more like the Christ you have the faith in. So there is no more excuses, beloved. There is no more excuses to hold on to our sin. 
There is no more excuses. Because what I want is the real thing. There is no more excuses as to why I get angry so easily. There is no more excuses as to why sometimes I have to lie, though. There is no more excuses as to why I get agitated and frustrated with people. There is no more excuses as to why I hold grudges. There is no more excuses as to why I cannot forgive. You know why? Because I've got the real thing. Do you understand? I am walking pleasing to Him, worthy of Him, bearing fruit in every good work. Wow, isn't it amazing? I'm not living in the Truman Show. I'm living in the kingdom of God. And when the Bible says that eye hasn't seen or ear has heard, not is even into, into the heart of man what God has prepared for them, I'm experiencing it because God is revealing it. Isn't God good? And so God calls us to this because he knows everything around us in this world is trying to hide it from us. This world is creating a fabrication. It's asking you to live in a world that's fabricated. And it's telling you and it's selling you lies that says, hey, you know what? You don't need this stuff called Christianity. You just need what this world is selling to you. And you know what's funny? If you lived 100 years ago, they'd be selling you something different. And 1,000 years ago, it'd be something different because they don't know what they need to sell. But God has always been the same from eternity to eternity. And he wants one thing for his people and they would become more and more like his son. Listen to this verse. Therefore, having these promises, and this is what I'm talking about, yeah, these are the promises that I'm talking about. Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit and I want you to go ahead and perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. So you know what Paul's saying here again? Very interesting. He's saying, you know what I want you to do? You've got promises now. You know what the end result is. I want you to now go ahead and perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. This is the experience of the Christian. Because you know why? When sin abounds or sin increases, grace abounds even more. And do you know why grace abounds even more? It's really interesting. Why it abounds even more? Because it has to deal with the sin that continues to increase. We don't say, oh, sin's, so, sin's increased and so grace is abounds so we can feel comfort in our sin. No, it doesn't tell us grace abounds that we can chill because of our sin. Grace abounds so we can destroy the power of sin. You see, when sin increases, grace abounds even more because sin is no challenge for grace. Do you understand? This is the real thing. Otherwise, we kind of are, 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 are lied to. We are lied to. And you realized one day that, oh, but I thought it was like this. When God was saying, but all along it's in my word what it had to be. Beloved, the daily experience of Christ is not an option. It's the evidence of our real faith. A form of godliness is not an option. It's not enough. It's got to be the real thing. It's not enough just to be accepted by people. It's not enough just to be liked by people. It's not enough just to get along with people in the church. It's not enough just to know some of your Bible. It's not enough just to claim to have a faith. What is enough 
is not a form of godliness, but the power that lies within. And God is working this in us. You imagine Noah. You imagine Noah saying to people, oh, I've got a relationship with God. Fantastic. You don't, I know God. I know God. I, got to, I talk to him. And God says, no, no, you've got to build an ark. And Noah's kind of a bit like, yeah, yeah, build an ark. It's good, but I've got a relationship with God. And, but you've got to build an ark, Noah. You've got to get on. This has got to be real. And, but yeah, you know, my, see, my, my kids are so good. Look how, look how well I know God. I've got good kids and they listen to me. Noah, you have to build an ark. And imagine if Noah rested in the fact that he just had this nice, cushy relationship with God and he got and had a nice family and, and he got along well with people and, but never did what God asked him to do. He would be lost and his whole entire family would be lost. And so God is calling us, not for a form of godliness, God is calling us to live out a faith that is real, that is genuine. And if this morning, beloved, if this morning perhaps something the Spirit of God is telling you that says, you know what, why don't you have the real thing? That's a good thing. Remember I said to you before, I get encouraged when people say, I'm not sure. Not because I want to put doubt in your mind, but if the Spirit of God is saying, you know what, there's something that needs to change. That's a good thing. That's God speaking and saying, I want you to know my son in a very real way. In fact, I want you to be Christian. I want you to experience what I've called you to experience. So the Bible says it's time to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us and run that race. It's time to lay aside the weights. All the things that get in the way, all the things that stop you or hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. Hey, you might even call them legal. You might even call them appropriate. You might even call them okay to do. They may not be anything even sinful about them, but they may be weights that are keeping you down or slowing you down. It's like someone who's trying to run a 100-meter sprint and they're saying, you know, but I'm allowed to wear gumboots. Yeah, for sure you can wear gumboots. Go for your life. Wear gumboots, but you're never going to win. But I'm allowed to do this. Well, yeah, you're allowed to do it. The Bible doesn't say don't do it. But I tell you what, you're never going to win the race. So it's time to lay aside the weights. So what you run and what you aim for and what you go for is the real thing. And then you can have complete confidence that the God who says that what I have begun, I will complete. But just do what Paul said. Walk worthy of the Lord. Be fruitful in every good work. Be fully pleasing to him. So you may continue to experience what the Lord has for you. This morning, this morning's message is really on my heart, is a way to remind us all that if we want to be Christian, then we want to be the real thing. And this was the heart of the apostles all throughout scriptures. This was the heart of all the writers of scripture, all the men and the women of God. They did not want to live lives only to find out one day that what they had wasn't what God wanted from them. And sometimes that involves a challenge. And that's okay to experience a challenge. Because the Bible says, if any man thinks he stands, 
just to be careful lest you fall. And the Bible tells us sometimes to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. So it's okay to come to a Sunday morning sometimes and think, oh man, why am I being challenged for? You know, that's okay because it's for our benefit. And as people who share the word and teach the teaching of Christ, we want to know, make sure that what we communicate to you is also something that is real and is of the word. So this morning, if you are encouraged to know, yes, what I have is real, then I encourage you, brother and sister, to continue in this faith. Continue to sharpen others. Continue to be steadfast in these things. Continue to look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and continue to bear the fruits that God has, is working in you. But this morning, if you are challenged to think to yourself, you know what, man, what I'm hearing, this is not what I'm used to hearing, and this is certainly not sitting right with who I am, then don't just leave that. Please don't just leave that. Come and talk about that. Talk to me. Talk to a trusted Christian friend. Talk to the Lord. Seek the Lord. And say, Lord, you know, if I'm going to be who, the, who, who I say I am, I want to make sure that it's real. I want to make sure that I know that I'm bearing the fruit that you've called me to bear, that I'm walking worthy before you, that I'm fully pleasing in your eyes. Amen? Yeah. Let me pray for us as we pray together this morning. Let me bow our heads before the Lord. <clears throat> God's word says very clearly that God is not mocked, that whoever that whatever we sow, we also reap. The Bible also tells us that everything is open in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sees all things. And we are encouraged to come before the Lord, the throne of grace, to receive mercy and help in time of need. Mercy and grace in time of need. And this morning, if we uh, feel distant from the Lord, if we feel like our lives haven't been living uh, in, a, in a real way, can I encourage or even urge you this morning to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I know this needs to change. I know you have come to save me from my sin. You have come to set me free. The Bible says if we call out, we seek the Lord, we'll seek him, if we seek him with all our hearts. And the Lord is near to all those who call out to him. So I pray this morning that you would just call out to the Lord. That you would draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. That if you come unto him, Jesus says, there is in no way, no way would I cast you away from me. We have brothers and sisters around the world being persecuted for their faith. And we're still worrying about little things that people offend us in. Someone didn't call me back. I never, I never got a text from someone. And we get brothers and sisters who are persecuted for their faith, imprisoned and killed for what they believe in. This morning is an opportunity to say, Lord, I just need what is real. I want to live what is real. I want to speak what is real. 
I want to be all that your son is. Father in heaven, Lord God, I just know that I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not a man of, who can do anything for anyone, Lord, that you, but you are a God who does incredible things. You do miracles. You continue to do wonders. Pray for us all, Lord God, that we continue to, to know you more and more, that you would guard us from slipping into complacency and an attitude of neglect or compromise that we would not be satisfied with anything that is of halfness or that would somehow only reflect a part of you. But Father, it's all your son. It's all your son. So Father, bless your people today. Bless the, the gathering afterwards that we would continue to honor your name by giving to our brothers and sisters who continue to suffer for your name. And may you continue to bless the fellowship as well. But in particular, Lord, bless the time we spend together. We pray this in Jesus' name.